0: You have accessed entry 197.JU0112, certificate number 26039. The Cavendish Banana.
1: Come Mr. Tallyman, tally me banana. like come and we want more go home. <laughs> come Mr. Tallyman, tally me banana. Would you like a banana?
0: I always want a banana. They're, you know,
1: they're a little green. Do you, my, I like greenish bananas, but my daughter will only eat borderline brown. I so. like
0: I like them green. We have a good ecosystem. My dad, uh, my dad believed that bananas had power.
1: Yeah, they do. Potassium.
0: And so, or did he, he mean some kind of mystical power? No, he meant potassium. But he also meant, <laughs> I think. Uh, what if every time someone said
1: power, they meant potassium? <laughs> like what if what if white power meant white potassium?
0: Power, white, P- white potassium.
1: Potassium to the people. He would
0: he would eat a banana under almost any circumstances. And if you were leaving the house mm. in the morning or at, at any point on your way somewhere, he would say, "Have a banana. Have a banana." He would say. And it became a um it became a kind of shibboleth for my sister and me. We say have a banana as a way of saying, you know, charge the day, go get the world. Like it's Get know, out there. It's up to you. Get out there. Have a banana. Um so a banana
1: Is is, is the banana in this metaphor. Life? It is. Today, but, uh, take life in your teeth?
0: Well, it's power. Like, it's giving you a power up. Oh, it's like a, a boost. Yeah, to have a banana. And it's also, it's also a way of, like, integrating our father who passed away many years ago into our daily lives. And so now I say it to my daughter, and she has begun to believe that bananas have power, too.
1: Uh I was thinking about this the other day. And I think a lot of moms are, and you know, a lot of parents do say the equivalent of have a banana. But I think bananas are kind of coasting on just the fact that like oranges, this is maybe a too hot a take for even this show. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to get letters. Bananas and oranges are not the best fruit, but they just oh. have convenient wrappers. They do. You can put one in a bag. So really almost anyone, maybe, maybe I'm not normal, but I would rather have an apple or a nectarine or grapes. There's any number of fruits
0: I'd rather have. When you say not the best fruits, how, what, what is that based on? What do you mean, not the best. I just fruits?
1: don't enjoy a banana that oh, much.
0: Oh, fine. you don't prefer them, but it's not like their quality of as a fruit is like somehow. You
1: want me to have some objective set of? Yeah, I've got. I've ranked every fruit on five different axes.
0: Let, let me Texture, ask you: Does a
1: nectarine have power? It probably. It's, it's getting juice all over my face.
0: Yeah, do you think
1: that's a kind of power? It it's the, a kind of raw fecundity.
0: It's the wrong kind of power. It's <laughs> the kind of power that suggests that you've been like making out with someone in the back of a car at a at a hot rod movie theater. Do you think
1: maybe your obsession with the with the powerful nature of a banana is a little
0: problematic that it's a little masculine, it's a little phallic? I don't know. It, well, the thing about a banana is that as fruits go, it's pretty dry. See, that's what I'm saying. It, but it doesn't, you know, like all that fruit moisture, it it lends itself to so much, I don't know, dripping and Technically a banana is a berry, I think. Oh. Because the seeds are
1: are in there. Uh, but you know, unlike a berry, it's kind of dry and, and pasty. Yeah. a banana- so there, are, there are whole continents that just use bananas for baking basically, you know, like it's a staple of, sure. Uh, it's a starchy staple of your, of your average
0: Mush. East African dinner. I feel like one of the main advantages to a banana is that you don't have to wash it yeah. because there aren't any bugs on That's it. That's what I'm saying.
1: Oranges and bananas are uh, sealed by in nature's own Ziploc.
0: Nature's own Ziploc.
1: Uh, but I think I'm wrong. about well, I don't know. Either that's very convincing or I'm just wrong about the appeal of the banana because the average American eats 27. 27- Was that a pun?
0: Was that a pun? Is that oh, something I'm going to, I'm going to no. get yelled at by somebody that I didn't ring a bell? I can't believe Ken Ugh. didn't say.
1: And then when I say it, I can't believe John didn't. <laughs> oh, okay. He said it has appeal. I'll have to try not to say appeal again. Uh, the average American eats 27 pounds of bananas a year.
0: What? No way. A 27 day. 27 <laughs> pounds. Every single day. No, a year. Does that count? Is that like T-bone pounds where it counts the bone? Oh, like, uh, oh, I'm getting a, no. Like a pound of bananas, does it include the, the peels? Because the peels are heavy. They're, they're one of the heaviest peels. That's a good
1: question. And our particular, our, you know what? Banana peels used to be heavier, as we shall see. Banana peels oh. have gotten heav- lighter since our- since our parents' day, since your dad used to have a banana. Do you, do you ever uh, peel a banana, by the way, the right way? Have you heard about this?
0: I peel it from the bottom, like a like a monkey. You
1: peel it from the blossom? Yes. I, I don't think I've ever done that. I always do a little break here, but they say you, you might snap the banana.
0: It depends on whether or not I have a knife. If I have a knife, I cut it up at the stalk. I just make a quick incision, you make an incision here, near right there, there, and then I'm able to peel it easily. But if I'm just given a banana out in the wild... If I pull one down from a tree, I open it from the bottom. I'm
1: edge. trying this for the first time. And it look at it. It went so easily. It is pretty good. The problem is it doesn't really let you get rid of this little... So I hate this little nubbin or nipple thing sure, on top I, of the banana. Everybody hates it. Uh, but th- I feel like it's more likely... Like If you do it this way, you can kind of pinch. And when you pull the banana
0: out. It's a, it's a thing that you, you have to practice, but if you get, if, if you do it right, you can pull the,
1: they say you're going to get less of the strings, but look, I got a string right here and I hate the strings. Well, I don't mean that. I had a gag reflex as a kid from banana nipples and banana strings.
0: Have you ever seen the video of the, of the monkey mom who's peeling a banana for her monkey baby and she is meticulous about pulling the strings off. <laughs> I she works and works and works.
1: I think my mom refused to do that. I need a monkey mom.
0: Yeah. I, I At some point along the way, I, I decided that I could eat the strings and it wasn't going to be a, a big issue. I like these green. And was, you know what? Uh, I may have told hurry.
1: this on the show before, but I was in a green room once with no less than Rachel Ray and she refused to eat the bananas because they were just ripe. She did not want a yellow banana. She wanted a green banana to get its strength.
0: I feel I feel like a green banana though gets the, it gets into your stomach and gives you a little bit of a more more opportunity for a stomach ache.
1: It can't be so green that you get that kind of weird m- mouth coating like you've um like, yeah. like you've eaten alum in a Tom and Jerry cartoon and your mouth is shrinking. No, you're you don't eat, want
0: that. You're eating on the program, which is another which, thing we which get people letters. Love. people love. <laughs> the ASMR people and the like I'm easily grossed out by things people are going to be super mad. That's why I'm going to keep talking while you choose so we don't have to listen to your banana voice.
1: So there are a thousand varieties of banana. There, that can't be true. It is true, but we're well, cultivars. You know. How many na- natural varieties of banana? Oh, yeah. I'm sure some of them have been cultivated on purpose. But I know for a fact that this organic Producto de Peru banana I'm eating right now that I bought on at Costco on the way to your house, I know what kind of banana this is. This is a Cavendish banana. And I know that not because I'm some kind of weirdo banana expert, but I know that because essentially every banana sold in the United States, which is $25 billion a year industry, is a Cavendish banana. Ha! Huh? Only 40, 47% of bananas produced in the world are Cavendish, but 99% of the ones that get exported are
0: Cavendish. Um, Cavendish sounds like such a... Um- like a foil for Scrooge McDuck. It just feels like um, like a rich people name. Does it doesn't sound
1: like a rich British man? It does. Because it is, in fact, named after an extremely
0: rich British man. Aha! Uh-huh.
1: The Cavendishes.
0: Boy. Now, this, now I should swallow, huh? <laughs> this chewing... Is uh, real. We're going to get letters. We should put a trigger alert at the beginning. We're going to get
1: happy letters from all the ASMR people.
0: Do they like chewing? I thought they just liked
1: it. When why will talked like this? Why won't can't eat a banana into a microphone? One of the things that they like is a lot of sp- kind of spit. Notes. Yeah, that's what I do when I eat a banana. No, what you do is.
0: That's just
1: that's just more of the good thing. Then the ASMR people should just love that even more. <laughs> it's I'm like, gonna, but it's a little louder. I'm not sure that ASMR is about more. It's about quantity, not quality. <laughs> the Cavendishes were one of the leading families of 18th and 19th century Britain. Uh, they were Dukes of Devonshire. Um, William Cavendish, the man the banana named is named after, was called the Bachelor Duke.
0: Oh wow! I wish I Don't had. Don't you a wish you were called like the that? Bachelor Duke? The Bachelor Duke. Come on. Well, you're halfway there. Uh, well, yeah, but I mean, actually, I'm about a quarter of the way there because it's hard. It's hard to describe me as a bachelor anymore. I'm living in a completely domesticated cage. You have a daughter <laughs> and a cat. I have a daughter and a cat and a daughter's mother, and we all share a roof. While my mid-century modern house undergoes what turns out to a, have been a, a ten-year remodel. a ridiculous amount of of uh, of extra work. But
1: just think, what a bachelor you'll be once you're in your new Don for mid-century Duke. pad.
0: The Bachelor Duke. That's what you'll be called. It sounds like a, it sounds like a Chrysler product too, a little bit. (laughs) Like the Bachelor Duke sounds, sounds like a, uh, like a, a certain kind of engine block or maybe. It could be like a
1: cigarette, like a, an early seventies cigarette. Yeah. Bachelor, come up to where the flavor is, (laughs) Bachelor Dukes. I looked up the Bachelor Duke because I'm, you know, as soon as I see that, I'm like, oh. He's a he's gay, you know. Oh sure. sure, 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 Let's out William Cavendish is a queer icon. Nice guy, never married. It appears that he was not in. According to the history, he was put off of marriage forever by his uh, upbringing. He was the son of the fifth Duke of Devonshire, also named William Cavendish, and Georgiana Spencer, one of the most famous
0: figures of the Spencer clan that produced Diana. Oh, probably yeah, almost. That's
1: certainly. true. Uh, it turns out uh, there's a movie about their. um lively scandalous uh, marriage it turns out called the duchess with kira knightley do you uh, i know you love kira knightley period pieces did I you do. see this
0: i do any costume drama where people are speaking in uh, in received pronunciation i'm i'm i just want to move there where, with I I can, where i can
1: watch Rafe finds hairline recede <laughs> <laughs> over the course of the movie.
0: Somebody does a supercut of Ray Fiennes's hairline receding throughout his films? They have to
1: shoot all his movies in order now, because if they actually <laughs> shoot them out of sequence, you could see his hairline go up and down.
0: Have I seen The Duchess? I don't know, maybe. It feels like a thing I might It's
1: have based seen. On the It's based on the marriage of William Cavendish Sr. and Georgiana Spencer, which it turned out was uh, full of, it's full of um, radical politics because they were abolitionist Whigs, Right. And they were probably wearing abolitionist wigs. Uh, and, Ding. and they were also, I guess they had gambling problems So lots of lively games of chance.
0: Love it. But especially did they squander their fortune.
1: No. Oh. Uh, as we'll see, William Jr. inherited a enormous banana providing fortune, but they did, uh, they, one of the things they used their money on were just a variety of, uh, sexual perversities. Yes. Uh, including. These are,
0: these are the bachelor Duke's parents. Yes. The. This the is the kind of stuff. Dukes. He,
1: this is the house he grew up in that made him want to be the bachelor duke because uh-huh. of all the key parties he had to sit through. I guess his um, his dad took a mistress who was also one of the most. Georgiana Spencer was one of the most famous kind of artistic women of the time. Hello. She had salons with musicians and thinkers, and Gainsborough painted her, and Reynolds painted her, and sure. maybe she was on the stage. I don't know. But uh, her husband, uh, despite having, stake at home. Uh, also carried on a, a like a decade-long affair with Lady Elizabeth Foster. But it was okay because his wife was also super hot for Bess Foster. Oh. So they turned into the most famous polyamorous oh. home, stately home in all of England.
0: And now I have to uh, see Bess Foster if she's inspiring all this kind of situation.
1: Well, you're not going to know from a... This is like... Maybe a, she was late painted late by Gainsborough. Century. Yeah, but they're all just going to look like... You know how they all... you know All of Gainsborough's women's... I saw this...
0: Basically, all these
1: women's... Well, you, all these portraits just look like whatever people thought a face looked like in 1774. Oh, right, right,
0: you know? Right. No, no, no. But no, I'm afraid not. She looks like Sean Young in No Way Out. Are you kidding? <laughs> oh no! Wait, that's. I think that might be Elizabeth Cavendish. Oh no, that's her. She, she, so after Georgiana's
1: death, oh, I uh, see. the Duke, the Fifth Duke, comforted himself by marrying his longtime mistress. And then keeping another mistress, I believe he had several illegitimate children as well.
0: Um, she, looks like, uh, she looks like she looks like she looks like Shania, except with a with like a with a white, wig. a white fright wig. She's wearing a wig. Wow, what a bunch of hotties! All these people are. Do you think you there
1: know? was an equivalent of the limo scene, but in some kind of a, what handsome carriage or a, a, a trilby? Oh no, that's a hat. What, yeah, what are different kinds? What, what are different kinds of carriages?
0: Oh, you're uh, thinking a, of a, coach and four? Yeah, or what? Um, what is it? It's a. A handsome a Bra- cab, a brom uh, a Braum, right? A surrey with a fringe on top.
1: Yeah, they were in a Surrey with a fringe on top, and you lower the fringe except so you can it, get it off.
0: Well, no, except the fringe was her fringe, if you know what I'm saying. Um, this is th- this is peak upstairs, downstairs too. So I'm sure that Cavendish was also having uh, having, relations, it off, having it off, having it off, as with, they say, with all of the housemaidens and whatnot. I would have to
1: assume. I don't want to. I don't want to stereotype the the Dukes of Devonshire.
0: My goodness. Um, but best it, Foster. So Come as on. a result
1: of this, the kind of, uh, freewheeling free love he grew up in, I think that is part of what made William Cavendish, uh, a bachelor Duke who was way more interested in horticulture.
0: I do not understand this because it seems to me that if you were going to, if you grew up with hot women in, <laughs> in, in, in lace dresses and and you were, and you were in an opportunity where you could have like, uh, have a, uh, like an ongoing threesome this seems like this seems like an advertisement for Well, I'm not saying
1: marriage. he was Ace. I mean maybe he was just skeptical about marriage. Maybe he hmm. also, you know, moved through every beautiful woman in the in 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 Derbyshire. Um I'm not sure.
0: I'm certainly skeptical skeptical of marriage. I
1: mean he was one of the most powerful men in England at the time. So that would definitely, you know, given what I know about modern politicians and power and potassium and 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 Epstein's mm-hmm. like I'm I'm sure he was Cutting a swath. Yeah, he was on the uh, the king's privy council. This is kind of late Hanover, so George the IV, Fourth, William the Uh He was the Lord Chamberlain of the royal household. Oh, which I'm sure today is just some do nothing, doddering old peer whose whose dad did a favor for somebody. But I'm sure at the time
0: he emptied all the 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 bedpans. Oh, I'm sure it's Lord more like I'm sure
1: it's more like schedules and schedules
0: and. Oh, right. uh, Rattling gold chains at people.
1: Personal assistant type duties. Uh, But at the time, you know, he's essentially chief of staff for the leader of the free world. Uh, He was later ambassador to Russia. But what he really loved was gardening. When 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 the fifth duke died, he inherited eight beautiful stately homes all over the English countryside, 200,000 acres of land. Where did the
0: original fortune come from? Just... Being rich, rich, richness uh, begats richness. Well, I want to say slavery, right? Of course, that, it seems like that's almost always the answer. That's the number one, number one answer. How did how, how did, did this... old white people get rich? But in fact,
1: in fact, uh, their fortune pre they they were one of the wealthiest British families. Well, back to the sixteenth century, uh, the
0: uh, so it's just lands and peasantry working. Uh, Working the lands, growing whatever, strawberries, berries. Sir, Sir
1: William Cavendish, uh, the 16th century courtier, was chancellor of the exchequer or ran the exchequer. Oh, and so, so he was
0: just printing money, literally. Yeah, you
1: can literally basically extort all the money you want out of yourself. And he was in a position to really profit from... Uh, Thomas Cromwell's dissolution of the monasteries.
0: Sure, they took all the gold and and beads and yes. and uh, and gems.
1: So instead of so it's better than slavery. It was it was rich hoarding monks. <laughs> They're not likable, right? Nobody's the, writing some roots of the next generation about
0: about rich hoarding monks. The wonderful thing about um, about English Protestantism is they got to take all the wealth from the Catholics and then they just invented Catholicism again. <laughs> <laughs> Episcopalianism or the Church of England is just Catholicism without the jewels.
1: Yeah, they have candles. I think some of them even have incense. Yeah, they, they just they just wanted they just wanted
0: divorces. They wanted divorces and they wanted all that all that monkish gold. If you know what I mean. I mean,
1: if you want, if you had the choice of reporting to some boss in Canterbury or reporting to some boss in. Italy in, in Italy like and, and back then that's a little that yeah, seems know, a little disreputable I, to have I to would, go all the way to Mediterranean swarthy Italy to get your indulgences
0: I would prefer to report to a boss in Italy just because of what I know about the Italian work ethic <laughs> <laughs> I feel like you <laughs> well, know a Cambridge boss is going to be like hey well, plus it? he's
1: way over in Italy yeah. like, he can't he can't uh, micromanage you no you send him a scroll just get it's, all the divorces you want and then tell him later oh we worked it all out your Holiness
0: your Holiness
1: uh, what, uh, the sixth Duke, uh, William Cavendish did with all his lands is he planted things on them. He was a sure. gardener. I, that's how you know he was asexual, I think.
0: Cause he was a gardener. I am a gardener. Oh,
1: sorry. And I, I, have, I did not mean to offend.
0: I have, no, no, no offense taken. I am a, uh, I am a quarantine gardener. you you just slash things back. You're a, you're a Brazilian coffee planter. There are a lot, there are a lot of different. What have you actually planted? I'm planting a lot of things. In fact, I have nine fir tree starters in little pots. Concealed about your person. That I am, uh, I'm about, there's tiny little pockets. You know, I'm about, I'm putting them out in the, in the, on the grounds. You know, a fir tree of course gets to be a, a large thing, but. It does. But by the time. We had, we had
1: three right by our house when we moved in that somebody had thought would be good for moving the house.
0: Are they not there now? We moved them immediately. Why would you want
1: a Douglas fir six feet from here? <laughs> I,
0: I, I have uh, Douglas firs on my property that are 150 feet high, huge, you know, old second Growth. Love um the tree that hula's. So I have these tiny ones, and it's it's wonderful to plant a thing that you know will not be mature until after you are gone. Unless there's some kind of longevity pill that Elon Musk uh derives and I'm rich enough to buy. It's a gift you're giving posterity. That's right. Eventually, someday someone will stand and look at that tree and go someday somebody's gonna Make
1: you want to turn around and say goodbye?
0: Yeah, they they, they but, that happens all the time. But you'll still have a fir tree someday, there. some way. Oh 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 oh! Someday, some way. We planted
1: a uh a, the Douglas fir tree that was too close to our previous house. We moved back to the fence line to replace a you know put it near a stump where oh, somebody so, it was still somebody tiny. had cut down a Douglas fir. Yeah, it was it was small enough to move. And by the time we moved from that house, like those things grow pretty fast, especially when little. It was, you know, it started out up to my knees, and by the time we left, it was taller than any of us. Well, that's great. That's wonderful news. And we we uh, we put a little shrine out there to to our late dog. You know, Aww. he's not buried there, but a collar and so uh, a leash and toys are buried out there. So you know, my daughter could visit the tree. I, I which buried, she liked.
0: I buried my cat Lewis under a, r- a rhododendron starter. And speaking that, of things, they get huge. That rhododendron now is eight feet around, and uh, and I used to go out and and uh, pay tribute to Lewis. That
1: symbolizes Lewis's broadening consciousness, yeah. expanding Lewis, through the universe. Lewis has become perennial. Well, I feel, <laughs> literally. Well, I feel bad to to say that you're just a pruner because you are also a planter.
0: I am, and I, I planted, at my at my old farm, I planted an, an entire garden, but uh, but I am not a flower gardener. I am a uh, shrub gardener. Can I recommend to you? Yes. Herbs. <laughs> I have
1: an herb garden that I love because it's it feels useful and not decorative. It's still beautiful. Right. It can still be trimmed to interesting shapes and sizes, but you can also, if you need really any herb except dill, which I cannot get to grow this year, you can go out and get the, the the tarragon or the cilantro you desire.
0: Here is the thing though. I'm I'm not <clears throat> I'm not a super taster, but I am a sensitive taster. And my tolerance for many herbs is low. There's almost no instance where I want dill on a thing.
1: Well, you should come to our house because my dill died.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so my herb garden would be like parsley, sage. Not even sage. I don't want sage or rosemary or thyme. My thing would just be parsley.
1: Parsley, 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 and yeah. parsley.
0: And, you know, like be- Vietnamese basil, maybe, I sure. could grow. But uh, other than that, it, uh, it all smells like like dirt to me. Uh, tastes like dirt. Sage,
1: we have quite a bit of sage, because those herbs will just grow like crazy. And it does kind of smell like sweat socks, yeah, it turns out. Yeah,
0: And I don't want it. I don't want it in my chicken. Ken... Uh, I just want to interrupt the show for a second and say how uh, how important it's been for us that our listeners support us on our Patreon. Um, it's been personally, like, it's relieved me of a lot of anxiety personally. I've, I've, um, it did
1: not look like Omnibus was going to continue at our former corporate home.
0: That's right. I enjoy the show so much. I enjoy your company so much and doing the show here. And, and you know, I'll only hang out with you if I'm being well paid. That's right. And for, for a, a full year, we made the show under the cloud of, well, what felt like a lot of duress and, and stress, and pretty much doing it at
1: a loss. Yeah,
0: no, no, no real compensation. All this sort of promise uh, of some magical future that never, that never uh, came to pass.
1: Until we decided to rely upon the goodwill of listeners.
0: That's right. We left our corporate masters and and appealed to you directly, listeners. And the outpouring of support uh, just it buoyed us so much. Ken and I stopped sending each other testy texts in the middle of the night saying, if it weren't for you, Ken, these corporate overlords would be paying me a fortune. And he would reply, I made you! Five exclamation points.
1: Now that it's been about a year since we've been a listener-supported podcast, we just wanted to let you know that if you are a supporter of Omnibus, all the rewards and benefits that come with that do renew every year. Mm -hmm. So... You know, this is a un, uncharted territory for us. We now have people that have been supporting the show for well over a year. And just so you know, your bonus monthly bonus episodes and access to the image feed will continue. But if you received a signed copy of show notes last year, that's going to happen again this year. Nice, Pro- probably accompanied by assigned chick tract because we didn't know why anyone would want would want a second set of show notes (laughs) it's a little anticlimactic after you have your first
0: one i don't know these are pretty good show notes over here look at this one
1: but they're going to come with a chick tract this year autographed um if you have suggested a show topic and you're still donating at that tier you can suggest a new show in 2021 if you did a live chat with us in 2020 there'll be another one of those in 2021 if you keep donating so thank you for your continued
0: support Thank you so much. And uh, and continuing to do this show is really, it's a bright spot in my, in my week. See Ken's shining face over there, looking at his phone while I'm talking.
1: And if this cursed <laughs> year has uh, allowed you the financial wherewithal to become an Omnibus supporter and you are not yet, this is your chance to sample all of these wonders and delights for the first time.
0: Thanks for your support. Patreon.com slash Omnibus Project.
1: Mr. Cavendish, Duke of Devonshire, liked showy plants. He liked, you know, back then, the Vogue was for tropical things that had been brought back. So he built a big glass house at his Chatsworth home outside of, in Derbyshire, outside of London. And it was actually the model for the, the crystal palace oh, was. that was later built in uh what hyde park or wherever yeah, i wonder um so this was,
0: was the era of the hothouse right we talked yeah. about this in the in fern fever
1: and if you've ever been to Kew gardens uh outside of london that was actually his project he he wanted a uh botanical garden that had you know the uh, the vast variety of plants to be found in the empire including these huge hothouses that are full of gin ginormous ferns and and uh, coffee and amazing tropical blooms that you can still see at Q. This is why we can't tax the rich. Because they will not give us giant hothouses full of yeah, who's cacao gonna, beans. Who's going to build Q Gardens? The Revolutionary People's Party? If I want to see a pineapple growing in situ, right. well, I, I could fly to Tonga. But if we have the rich, I can just visit one of their hothouses on the one day a year they allow public entry. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> uh, in 1834, the Duke happened to receive as a gift from a chaplain friend who I guess had been to Mauritius or been stationed in Mauritius, a banana tree. Uh Uh-huh. And we're going to get letters. The banana tree is not a tree. It's called tree, it's called a tree
0: agriculturally. A banana tree is not a tree and a banana is not a banana. It's not a tree at all. It's a fruit.
1: Uh, A banana is a berry and it's not a tree because it's not woody. It's, it's huge. It's, but it's a succulent stem. It's an herb. Oh, nice. You could have bananas in your herb garden, except that you only want parsley.
0: You could have bananas in your herb garden. Mm-hmm.
1: Oh, is that? Mm-hmm. That's a little. Is that a mm-hmm. euphemism for you?
0: Yeah, but, that, but it's just, they're just right under the fringe.
1: Hey, uh, hey, you up? I want to. <laughs> I want to bring some bananas to your herb garden. Uh, and so it looks like a tree because it's the. I think it's the biggest herb. It's it's the tallest succulent plant there is. Um, but, but now it's an herb that produces a berry. Is
0: that true of any other herbs?
1: Oh, I think herb is a general term. I mean, we say I you see. know the culinary herbs it's are herb- a much smaller herbaceous. set. Yes, it's herbaceous I in see. that it's got a. A succulent stem, which just means squishy and full of liquid, and not right, not woody. I grow succulents actually in my garden. I love succulents; they're yeah. hard to kill, which is what I like about That's them. That's what I like too. Water these once a month, and every spring, if you think of it,
0: they send up some weird prehistoric shoots. Oh, you got the hen and chicks? Yeah, of course.
1: Yeah, I don't like those actually. I no. don't like when the hen gets all. You're a hen, like you do not. We do not need your protuberances erecting from my yard. But then-, then from my rockery. Then the
0: chicks proliferate.
1: I do love when the chicks come out, but I just yeah. don't think the hen needs when to- When the
0: chicks come out.
1: The hen should- s- <laughs> 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 It brings all the chicks to the yard, <laughs> but I just don't want the hen to be fertilizing her own chicks in the way they seem to do. It's a little graphic. Ah, I see what you're saying. I want a good Protestant succulent garden where I don't have to see things pollinate themselves. Right, I get it. Uh, so from this one plant that Cavendish, it was called the Cavendish banana because some Mauritius visitor from the Indian Ocean brought it to his hothouses where it proliferated. And from thence, it moved on to the Canary Islands and from there to the Caribbean, to Africa. From Africa, it spread to Madagascar and then to Southeast Asia. So, you know, it's possible that this is a banana that had been to some of these places from its tropical home. But it seems like in general, it came to England... Sure. To the Cavendish grounds and then spread from there.
0: Now was it Cavendish himself who was propagating uh, these bananas on plantations, or was no, it no. some visitor came to the sure. Cavendish house and was like, I say that. Cut- I, let me take a cutting.
1: Cuttings and clippings, and he didn't do it. You know, he had Joseph Paxton, the greatest horticulturalist of his time, on salary. So I don't know how much of this the Duke actually did hands-on. Maybe he just walked through the orangery once a week and said, uh Looking smashing, Joseph absolutely, or Paxton absolutely smashing.
0: But this was the era where the where the 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 colonialization of the world sort of produced this uh, the the initial global crop, uh, not just market, but like the the idea that if that you could take coffee from its origin point and grow it anywhere that it was that the tropical conditions were right and there was um there was enough of a of an uh, international mm-hmm. Sort of um, marketplace,
1: and that's what happened here. It just wasn't Cavendish doing it. It was other plantation owners realizing, "Hey, like, let's. Uh, I've got. Let, let me clear some land in in Borneo or Burma or
0: whatever, and we'll try these here." And uh, Monsanto really got ahead of that in in contemporary times because they copyrighted all their all their genetic genetically modified. Corn and
1: whatnot. GMO is a huge part of the story of the Cavendish banana, as we shall see. Because right now, you know, in the northern, so I said that essentially all bananas you will see at the store, you know, unless you're at some little market in Cambodia, will be Cavendish bananas, which make up essentially all of the world's export bananas. And you know, the northern hemisphere now has an appetite for tens of billions of bananas every year. What are people doing with all these bananas? Well, I I hope they're eating them and not doing weird Richard Gear things with them.
0: The thing is, I love banana bread, for instance. And I don't get anywhere near as much of it as I want. Are you saying I need to make you banana bread? If you would. <laughs> I brought you muffins. You did bring muffins, which are which feel very banana bread-like, but I love bananas. We eat about six of them a week here.
1: If you eat fewer bananas they start to turn brown and then black, and then you can say, oh, I'll put these in the freezer and make banana bread out of them, and then you never will.
0: I have some black bananas in the freezer. I will never do anything with them except they just take up space in the freezer.
1: That seems like something, that seems like a John problem. That seems like something you need to work on, not a Ken problem. Where black, black I Black bananas. That I need to bring you, I don't need to bring you banana bread. You've got all the makings. No, I'm not saying you need to bring me banana bread. You can come over here and make it. <laughs> So people are, I mean, the convenience of them means we feel like even though they're not from our part of the world, we now feel entitled to this supply chain. By we,
0: I mean just like Western cold weather people. All 52 weeks of the year, too, I want access to cheap bananas.
1: Thank you, Southern Hemisphere, Producto de Peru. Um, And it seems like this must be a very stable supply chain just because every time you go to the store, there's countless bananas.
0: Yeah, they never run out.
1: In fact it is a very precarious supply chain and it depends on because
0: it's a monoculture or for other
1: reasons well because of the just the sheer volume of bananas that the northern hemisphere oh. wants we are really stretching the demands of what the environment and the the shipping chains the shipping routes can deliver to us. And so we need efficiencies. And, and one of those efficiencies is essentially a monoculture. The Cavendish banana is perfect for a world that needs a ton of bananas because it's, uh, you know, it's the perfect banana to grow in a lot of ways, even though it kind of has... If you've ever tried one of these other artisanal bananas, it, it, it has a bland taste. You know, there are bananas that taste like ice cream. There are bananas that are weird colors. Yeah. And yet we're kind of eating these boring ones for a few reasons. First of all, the plants tend to be short but fruitful. And short is good because- It's hard to harvest bananas. Exactly. You need fewer ladders and or shorter workers. Mm -hmm. Uh, Also, a lot of these bananas grow in stormy parts of the world, and shorter trees are more hurricane resistant. Right. Um, They're easy to- You know, pesticides are super important to keep the- the Northern Hemisphere, and it's 50 billion bananas every year or whatever it is. So you want trees that are low enough that you can spray them easily. Uh, The Cavendish produces a ton of bananas per plant. Um, And it's also a weird genetic oddity. The Cavendish banana is sterile. It has three copies of each chromosome. So the only way it can reproduce is clonally, kind Uh of like your hens and chicks, Uh I guess. Um, And I guess that means it really scales well. It's a super predictable plant. You know exactly how many you're going to get off of each tree, you know, exactly how long it's going to get to grow a new tree from that uh, cutting, you know, exactly how long they're going to take to ripen in a shipping. Did you know bananas do a thing where their ripening is contagious? Like when one banana ripens, it sprays a bunch of ethene.
0: I do feel that way. It exudes it. And I feel like it is contagious to other fruits as well. If you put a banana in with with your other fruits, it will cause them to ripen faster. I
1: think that might be true. Cause I think, yeah. I think it's not the only species that, that uses ethene as a signal.
0: So bananas, I'll sometimes put into the refrigerator to like slow their roll. Yes. They're like the Mandalorians of, uh, of fruits. In what way? Cause you never unpeel them and see their face. Yeah. They're clones and they're covered with uh, Mandalorian steel and um, they cause other things to ripen. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Does the Mandalorian cause other things? Sure, look Baby at Baby Yoda. Yeah. how well he's doing.
0: He's ripening he's doing throughout great. that whole show.
1: So the uniformity of a monoculture just makes bananas in in that scale both workable and profitable, uh-huh. which you couldn't do if you were growing these little weird purple things that tasted amazing. But
0: have you ever had? Make, a- wouldn't
1: make it back to. Ontario, wherever they're going.
0: In all your travels, because I know you lived in Central America for a while, have you ever had a. I never lived in Central America. I know that you lived in Peru and Colombia. I
1: shipped Arms to the Contras for, for many several years, years in uh, the you, early 80s. You were
0: mid-80s. flying a, flying a DC 3 in a Hawaiian shirt with sunglasses and a cherute. That's exactly right. Um, have you ever had a tree ripened banana? I don't know if I. You know, my
1: love of kind of hard green bananas means that. When I when I'm in one of these exotic places and I see these beautiful purple bananas sitting in a under a shady tree by a guy who's also selling guavas, I do not think, man, I gotta try that. Right. I just get the guava.
0: Even though it tastes like ice cream. What
1: do have you tried one of these amazing bananas? Yeah. I, I mean all
0: at a certain point they seem less like bananas and more like a potato almost. Um tasty, but but, uh, oh, they're not goopier? I guess I under. imagined that a lot of these would be goopier. Because
1: well, I think, I think it, we're getting firmer bananas here because they hold up in shipping holds.
0: They are goopier, but I think of potatoes as goopy. Oh, you don't like potatoes. I don't like potatoes. So, I mean, it's not like eating a potato like an apple uh, where it's like crunchy. It's like a it's like a mushy potato. I like plantains. Like if I get yeah, a Cuban yeah, sandwich,
1: okay. I love to have some, some nice starchy
0: potato-y bananas. I think it's the st- – I, for whatever reason, although bananas are pure starch, when I look at a Cavendish banana, I don't think of it as starchy. I think of it as sweet. It is sweet. And then there are, but, but the bigger, the purpler bananas, I, I just, mm. I don't know. I feel the starch more.
1: It's more like a, a breadfruit vibe. Even,
0: yeah. Even though Fine the taste. taste is, even though the taste is, I guess, I guess better. So we talked about the
1: skin of the, of the Cavendish. It actually has a, a thinner skin than, uh the your your grandpa's banana which was the Gros michel before 1965 How do you know
0: about my grandpa's banana <laughs>
1: well i'm not going to say your grandpa showed me his banana um, but everybody's grandpa had the same banana before 1965 when you went to what's a good 60s era grocery store the A&P? wiggly the, piggly when you went to the there's no way it's the wiggly piggly <laughs> piggly wiggly when you went to the piggly wiggly except that's just regional that's a modern grocery store if you live uh, in Alabama cool. Uh the, the trade well. The, yeah, I the, guess the, A
0: and P, let's the, call it that.
1: The save well. Anyway, you went to your you went to your nineteen fifties or sixties grocer, you would get the gros Michel, which uh, actually tasted better than the Cavendish banana, and it had a thicker skin, so it would hold up really well to uh shipping.
0: Now wait a minute. If Cavendish bananas have been proliferating around the world since the nineteenth century, why were we eating gros michels as late as the fifties? Because they're better. Uh Everybody, you know,
1: everybody knew that they could grow a Cavendish. They had it in their back pocket. But all the fruit, the Standard Fruit Company and United Fruit Company, they all uh, Were CIA preferred fronts. the Gros well, <laughs> I mean, that's one thing about. But the history of bananas is, uh, you know, the reason why we still say Banana Republic to refer to a certain kind of developing world uh, nation is because of U.S. interference in these little countries that we only cared about because. Massive fruit conglomerates had financial interests there. Right. So we would just install the Honduran dictator of our choice who would keep the bananas flowing.
0: Every time you eat a banana, you are complicit in CIA destabilizing of the of the of Central America.
1: Still? Yeah. There's no sundown clause on that?
0: <laughs> I mean, the thing is, are you are you are you complicit in slavery sitting in America today? You could argue yes.
1: I guess that's true. I mean, it really makes me not want to wear cotton shirts for example well that's the problem do you have leather shoes on you're part uh, of the problem um but the reason why we don't eat the gros Michel anymore is because they all died what starting around 1890 uh, a fungus called a, a, a fusarium fungus called tr1 which is just you know i think tropical race one it's just how scientists designated this um
0: Oh, I thought it was this, a, this a a human pest. a human cyborg that came back through through a time portal and
1: killed all the bananas. Uh-huh. Oh, no, it's a TR, and then the TR one thousand came through and killed the TR one. a hole. Um, and this caused what was called the Panama disease, just this terrible blight where uh, whole plantations died as soon as it got in the soil. Um, it was done for, oh, and no. and the the um. Plantation owners weren't worried because they had Plan B. They had a Cavendish banana in their back pocket, or maybe they were just happy to see me. I don't know. But um, so between, uh, between 1940 and 1960, all the big fruit companies, Standard Fruit, United Fruit, and by the way, these companies are still around. We think of these as cia fronts and relics but no they just changed their name to dole and chiquita oh is that right (laughs) yeah are those the same
0: companies oh no
1: (laughs) i had no idea it's got a cute dancer now but that is the united fruit company
0: did did they change the name of air america to something else too like is it just called united airlines now they they made air
1: america that um that short lived uh liberal talk radio station with janine garofalo and that was worse than anything that the real air america had done so
0: its Uh, own vietnam
1: so by 1965, Dole and Chiquita had switched to their backup banana, and uh, we've been eating nothing but Cavendish bananas for the last 50 years.
0: Now, is the Grow Michel gone from the world, or are there are there little pockets of them still available?
1: Oh, I think you could still—yeah, no, I think cultivars were saved. You could still grow a Gros Michel. Um, you just can't do it at scale because there's no way to—once this stuff is in the soil, it lives there forever. It's totally pesticide-proof. Wow, and it just it, it just chokes out the plant. It 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 moves up through the roots and just keeps the plant from absorbing any water or nutrients. It's a weird... so in a matter of months, it's
0: gone. It's a kind of uh, of salting of the earth. It's... It is. You cannot use that soil for anything ever again. What you're like? Not you can't grow wheat there. You can't grow dope there.
1: Uh, pff, your kids can make mud pies, maybe? You can grow
0: dope pretty much anywhere. Yeah, I'm,
1: I'm guessing there are plants that are more resilient than the Gros Michel. Right. Um, because this was, the TR1 is, was specific to the Gros Michel, and the Cavendish banana was immune to it. Wow. So they could use these plantations still for bananas. They didn't have to divest themselves of all their land. They just had to switch to a, a slightly less tasty banana. Uh, And so that's why we've been eating the Cavendish uh, for
0: the last 50 years. I feel like this is the work of God. God did not want us eating delicious bananas? God was like, these bananas are too tasty. And people have to oh. suffer a little privation here.
1: It's uh it's too it's too sensual a pleasure to yeah. eat a delicious
0: creamy banana. Yeah, it's a little bit of imposed hair shirt.
1: That's why I eat these green these green pasty ones. I don't they, feel like I deserve nice things.
0: They're not as uh they're not as sensual, they're not as luscious. That's like, right. Yeah.
1: Except they except they're still I mean, they're they're harder and they're hard cylindrical things. So maybe that's mm. worse. Maybe that's sensual in a different way.
0: They're, they're kind of the um, the starched button-down short sleeve shirt with a pocket protector in it of fruit. That's why the CIA was
1: so <laughs> into protecting bananas. It's totally their ethos. Um, so, I, I thought you meant that God would just be against installing right-wing dictatorships and—
0: Oh, are you kidding? Uh, and, God and, is 100% down with those. That's good to know.
1: So, the story would end there with everybody happily eating Cavendish bananas, except that around 1990— plant pathologists in Florida started seeing under their microscopes a new little fusarium fungus. TR2. Ooh, it's even worse. It's TR4.
0: TR4? What, what happened to so, 2 and 3? It's three? so
1: bad they skipped TR2 and 3. <laughs> TR4? TR2 and 3 are like, um what, the the operating systems you never use or the, right. like the unsuccessful Windows version, so you, skip, you have to skip from 7 to 10. Right, it's the Mac Lisa. It was TR1, then it was Vista, then it was Lisa, <laughs> then it was TR4. Windows 95. Right. Uh, so in Indonesia and Malaysia, they start to see this new fungus living in the soil, and unfortunately, this one is incredibly toxic oh, to no. to the Cavendish banana. Oh no! The Cavendish banana does not stand a new chance. Against wait, 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 these wait, wait, wait,
0: wait! We eat too many bananas for this bad news.
1: This is really bad news. Uh, by 2013, they've arrived in Mozambique, probably on the boots or in the equipment of some of the workers who have come from Southeast Asia. Uh, you know, this, right. this Fusarium TR4 is an invasive species. And since then, we have just watched it spread throughout the banana-producing belt of the world. Lebanon, Israel, India, Jordan, Oman, Pakistan, uh, a country that starts with A that I can't read. Australia. Australia.
0: Uh-huh.
1: Um, And as I've said, when-
0: Wait, they, they grow bananas in Oman? I don't think of it as like-
1: Oman is a massive. You thought it was a desert. It's I just did, a massive banana plantation. I did
0: not think that they were growing bananas there. Wow. Okay. Uh, my
1: guess is there's very limited banana growth in some of these places, but I don't know.
0: I mean, there's a lot going on in Oman. There's sure. mountains. It's and a stuff.
1: it's a it's a land of contrast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but when TR4 sweeps through these plantations, it just looks like you've used Roundup. You know, uh. it, it it just kills everything, and it's it's not just like Dutch elm disease where stuff starts to wither like it's everything's just black and gone oh no and the situation right now in we're recording future links we're recording this in the year 2020 you are probably from a Cavendish free future we're recording this in the year 2020 where the situation is already worse than Panama disease was in the 40s and 50s when Dole and Chiquita started switching away from Gros Michel really yeah uh and it's worse not just in that it's more widespread but also in that we have no backup we have no bananas we- <laughs> We have no backup <laughs> bananas today. Uh the So everyone's just kind of holding their breath, waiting for it to get to Central America. And for many years the assumption was it's already there and it's being covered up. Oh. Nobody wants to say we're, you know, stop dealing with us because we're the tainted we're the tainted country or we're the tainted coastal district.
0: Are you saying that 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 the, the global banana cultivation is no longer global? It's just it's just only in Central America and that's our last stopgap?
1: No, but, you know, bananas are still growing in these other places, but, uh, you know, to a lesser degree as the blight spreads. I see. um, And actually, you know, uh, Australia, the name I could not read on my list of countries, actually is one of the first places that's looking for a a Cavendish solution. If Cavendishes do exist in your future, sentient banana eaters, if you're sentient bananas, uh, Hmm. all bets are off. Mm -hmm. I guess I'm this is family history for you. Mm-hmm. Um, Australia has less restrictive GMO laws than the European Union.
0: Is that right? I, I would have thought the opposite, but but Oh, okay. you mean because of
1: the invasive species thing there? Yeah. I guess you've still got that um, convict culture, will eat anything, we'll uh-huh. eat, eat crocodiles and emus vibe of uh-huh. the outback, right? Sure. Like they're not going to be troubled by a few genes from uh, a rhubarb making its way into their bananas or bacterial DNA making its way into their into their fruit. They're they're a hardy people. They're not wimps like us. Right, no. There's a Queensland scientist named James Dale, who is kind of the world's leading uh, uh, Frankenstein banana producer. He made headlines for the golden banana, which was his dream. What if, uh, you know, you've got all these countries that eat a ton of bananas, and you've got all these countries that have vitamin A deficiencies, and a lot of them are the same countries. Uh So what if you could just trick people it's like when upper west side moms make their kids eat kale by putting it's like the only thing these kids eat is smoothies if i can somehow sneak a little bit of uh of uh snap peas into their sn- smoothie i could pretend they had a vegetable today
0: right sure so if you can, if, is if, a you can if
1: you could sneak a little what's that ketchup is technically a sure, vegetable. i'll just put a little ketchup in their smoothie Uh, or on their dinosaur chicken nuggets. So it's the same thing. This guy's like, if you could sneak a little vitamin A into the plants these people are eating anyway, they wouldn't have to change their diets or get supplements. So he invented the golden banana, with with money from the Gates Foundation, he invented the golden banana, which is this bright orange banana, which I I guess it's metaphorically gold because it has a day's worth of vitamin A in it. full of gold. It's full of sweet, sweet uh, 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 supplement gold. How do you get vitamin A otherwise? Uh, from Flintstone vitamins.
0: Right. But uh, other than that, some, somewhere in nature, what, how are people who are, who are full of vitamin A getting that vitamin
1: A? What are you and I eating that Uganda is not getting enough of? Yes. Uh, eggs. Okay. Um. Delicious steak. Uh, vegetables. Like it's, it's like your yellow and green vegetables. Oh, Broccoli, spinach. Right. Cod liver oil, if you're a. If you're an Edwardian child who's misbehaved.
0: Drink a gallon of it a week. (laughs) Put in Um, everything.
1: So among James Dale's banana projects, he is producing gene edited versions of the Cavendish. And in fact, he has done this. He's put wild banana genes into the sequence of a Cavendish banana and he's produced TR4 resistant bananas. Really? Yes. That are
0: also full of vitamin A. (laughs) I don't
1: know if he's combined (laughs) his two interests, but he should. Would it kill him? Uh Uh-huh. The pro- he's the banana king of the twenty-first century. So Australia could can be enjoying these loosely regulated
0: GMO bananas. Oh, but Europe won't allow it. Europe will not allow it. Um, but the United States is pretty loosey-goosey about that stuff.
1: He's found a loophole in the United States. I guess the current USDA standard is that if you if you jiggle the genes just in a way that nature could do.
0: They'll stop running. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Like uh, like the the USDA allowed a GMO mushroom that had been had a few genes of a mushroom that didn't get as brown, so that your mushroom looks nice and white in the produce aisle. Sure. Uh, and the USDA ruling was: this is the kind of slight coloration difference you could get just by doing a few generations of crossbreeding. These guys just did it quicker, therefore we're going to allow it.
0: And so uh, and Dr. Dale Mendelian would would pass.
1: Yeah. But I don't know how you what's the bright line there? Uh eh, this looks vaguely like something a a weird boysenberry farmer could do. I think if it's
0: a if it, machine, if it doesn't have eyes. Right. I think that 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 it, probably disqualifies it. If the
1: fruit hasn't grown mucus membranes, uh it's okay. So anyway, so Dr. Dale thinks there is a possibility where, you know, he can get the amount of bacterial DNA he's using low enough to And there are projects like this going all over the world, you know, cuz these Central American countries know that their livelihood depends on this in the same way that Kuwait is terrified of running out of oil. Honduras is terrified of TR4. So a ton of global money in the third world and the developing world and elsewhere is going into a building a better Cavendish banana. But if it doesn't, mark my words, uh, its days are numbered. You know the, the, the days of the abundant Cavendish banana in your grocery store may be gone, and we don't know what we could replace it with.
0: And this is a thing where you'll just one day start going to the grocery store and bananas are more and more expensive and, and fewer and fewer. And and then one day there are no bananas? Are there precedents for this?
1: Well, this stuff tends to be underreported. I mean, you know, there were 60 Minutes pieces on Dutch elm disease. Right. But we now live in a world where all the, you know, and for, we've, for decades we lived in a world where all the chestnut trees and all the elm trees died and people who were into that culture were like,
0: guess we stopped roasting chestnuts over an open fire. Yeah,
1: but the rest of us are just like, oh, really? Chestnut trees? Right. No, I'm sure we, no, we. that's wrong. We gotta have, you know, people just weren't aware.
0: Uh, during our childhood, we watched apples get bad, and then there were almost no varieties of apples. And then in recent years- there have been all these wonderful varietals.
1: We were tricked into eating apples that looked good and red and waxy and shiny, even though they were just like sawdust on the inside.
0: I'm always stunned when someone... Because it still happens that someone will show up with a Red Delicious, take a bite out of it and go, this apple's terrible. And I'm like, do you not know not to buy Red Delicious? I mean, they look delicious, but they're not, you buy a, you know, you buy one of these. Are you buying these for a 1958 school teacher? Yeah. What, Because if not, why do these exist? (laughs) But there've been all these great apples that have kind of come on the scene in the last 20 years that for, you know, for a lot of the 1980s, it seemed like all apples were bad and, and apples had just been ruined.
1: Your Fuji, your Honeycrisp. I wonder if. Your Gala, your Pink Lady.
0: Yeah, the, the, right. All of those are wonderful. I wonder if, um. If it will be part of like foodie culture that we start to develop tastes for other kinds of plantains and purple, purple mealy ones.
1: I wonder how long it'll be, you know, cause right now the banana is your, it's really your uh, platonic ideal of a yellow thing, you know, right. like it's velvet underground records and you know, the look of the banana is so important to its brand. And to this day, when you tell somebody to draw an apple.
0: They, they will draw a banana. They,
1: w- they will draw a banana <laughs> because they have a, a terrible, a terrible Oliver Sacks nerve ailment.
0: Wait a minute, is this one of those things where I think it's a banana, but it's really an apple this whole time?
1: They will draw a red delicious. You know what I'm saying? Like oh, if yeah. you're playing Pictionary, you tell somebody to draw an apple, they will draw a bright red thing with the kind of the bulbs, the two bulbs of a red delicious. You know, right.
0: even though we don't, even
1: eat though them no one room. would eat anything that looked like that. Like how long before somebody just draws a Fuji? You know, uh, and maybe it's the same thing with bananas. Maybe somebody listening to this episode in a thousand years, thinks of bananas as a purple spiky oblong.
0: Right. And they they
1: think it's crazy that we ever used to eat these weird big yellow string beans.
0: Maybe all bananas will look like that uh, That peeled banana meme, that th- thanks, Lori, uh, banana meme.
1: What are you looking at? I was going to see if you still have a peeled banana sitting in front of you.
0: Well, I do. I have a peel here and I have a banana here. I moved the banana over to the muffin plate because I wanted to protect it.
1: I've, I've always said you had a peel.
0: And that concludes, on a terrible note, the Cavendish Banana. Entry 197.JU0112, certificate number 26039 in the omnibus. Futurelings, in the unlikely event that you are bananas. Well, wait a minute. (laughs) I feel like I'm kind of bananas. Bananas. Uh, you are We're almost, all bananas you, these days. yeah, you're almost certainly bananas for listening to this show, but in the unlikely event that social media still exists in your era, which is a total banana farm, uh, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram are archived at Omnibus Project. Uh, you can find Ken Jennings and myself under our names at Ken Jennings and at John Roderick.
1: But we, but it's it the other way around. You can find. I'm at John Roderick. You can find at, Ken, at
0: Jennings. Ken Jennings is me at John Roderick. He's taking over my Twitter feed, and he'll see what it's like to get only fifty faves.
1: This um, is good. I do it. It's <laughs> like the Prince and the Pauper. I do this once a year, like Henry V mingling with his troops to keep me <laughs> to keep me humble.
0: Um, I'm on Instagram, uh, where I post pictures of uh, my my garden, my garden of brush, and no herbs because
1: you have sensory issues. That's right.
0: Uh, you can email us uh, at the at gmail dot com. Uh, you can join one of our uh, fan groups on Stitcher and TikTok and Reddit, Facebook, Gleep, uh, all under the Futurelings heading. You can send us mail at P.O. Box 55744, Shoreline, Washington, 98155. As long as the Postal Service uh, remains the, an icon of American civilization, we will receive your mail.
1: We're speaking to a November uh, uh, populace that may or may not even have the post office. Yeah. I feel bad. Like, I was going to put mail trucks on an omnibus shirt for the holiday season, but now are, are we just stealing merch dollars from the U.S. Postal Service? Hmm. We can make donations.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, it's not, though.
1: <laughs> Let's say we will. <laughs> and then just don't. See, this is why you can't tax the rich. <laughs> They won't make fictional donations.
0: You seem to be opening some I'm mail opening over there. I'm opening mail
1: right now. So uh, it may be Tom. See, this This one came directly from a vintage from a vintage paper company. And I don't know if that's... If Tom had this Oregon vintage paper company send us this, or if Tom runs this Oregon country uh, company, but it's a... Uh, what, what era?
0: Oh, 1950s, oh, maybe? I believe I was communicating with Tom uh, oh, on you the internet about this? about this map. It's
1: a sightseeing map where you can take bus tours from downtown Seattle, 4th and University, although I wouldn't wait Are you going to rip there. open the original packaging there? Is that what you're doing? I don't think this is original packaging. I think they put this in, sar- in saran wrap to mail it. Are you sure about that? I'm pretty sure because it's taped
0: shut. Oh. What, they didn't have tape in 1955. You just don't care at all. I really no, and I think they did this at a
1: uh, practically perfect paper Products. Okay. Oh, they're in mint condition. Look they at those. They really are lovely, and it's a bus tour that will take you. Well, there's two options. Here's one that goes all the way around to the east side for only five dollars.
0: It's, is that right? Five dollars? It says right on the back there. The the only part of it that I can see as you monopolize this. Wonderful oh, it's got thing. it's
1: got Mount Rainier views. I see.
0: There's a marine tour. It looks like. Yeah, look at the, look at the little boat tour you can oh, take. Oh, so it's not it's not it's it's put on by Gray Line, but it was when Gray Line was trying to diversify.
1: But he also sent us a U.S. Uh, National Park Service. Map of Mount Rainier National Park from 1938, and it's in beautiful condition. Hip hop hooray. This is lovely, Tom.
0: Oh, this is nice stuff here.
1: And then Alexander, this is very exciting. Alexander from Antelope, California sent us a vintage magazine ad for a product I did not believe existed, but you did. The Bone Phone.
0: The Bone Phone! Stereo
1: sound you wear around. And it's got this kind of sketchy, uh, what
0: early '80s graphic design illustration style oh, yeah, that, that everyone loved back then. Uh, it's um, it's it's taken, I think, from Leroy Neiman's paintings of the 1976 yeah. Olympics. But
1: what if instead of, uh, you know, but it's like f- fence, fencing five. and basketball, <laughs> it was just people listening to a weird. Uh, a weird skeletal vibration
0: oh you know there's a nagel aspect to this but this bottom picture but there you know this girl in the short shorts on roller skates with high knee socks um is very much 1979 but look at the nagel at the bottom
1: oh wow yeah look at her cheekbones that's great
0: wow that's wonderful stereo sound you wear around
1: the bone phone so now i do believe the bone phone exists thank you
0: alexander or this was an elaborate prank, but very elaborate.
1: Yeah, look, look he really captured the style of the time.
0: Uh, the last thing I'd like to point out is that our show is, um, is partially, and by that I mean largely, supported by our Patreon donors. Uh, your contributions have made our show possible and made it possible for us to be an independent production. We're almost entirely supported by devoted listeners. That's right. Isn't that great? We, yeah. we still sell the occasional
1: ad because... We believe in capitalism Yeah, at that's heart. right.
0: Late-stage capitalists at heart because we're boomers. We're boomer-adjacent. Uh, Gen X. But the show Nobody is, is only a...
1: Nobody go- cares about Exactly. The Invisible Generation. The show is only a going concern because people like it enough to want to feel part of the community.
0: So if you'd like to contribute, if you've been listening to the show for a while and have listened this far into the outro, uh, we're guessing that you are probably fans. And if that's so, and you... Uh, And you want to support the show, you can go to patreon.com slash Project.
1: We will put uh, photos of the Bone Phone ad and the beautiful vintage maps on our Patreon. And you know what? If you're listening to this in November, uh, if you become a new supporter right now, that means we have a full year of addenda shows that you can listen to. There's a back catalog of 12 bonus shows that you could just start spooling through right now to celebrate your your new $5... uh, Supporter,
0: the bonus shows are wonderful because it, um, they are a venue where omnibus listeners and futurelings of all stripes complain can can write in and say, Hey, you guys, I listened to this show about a topic that I got two PhDs in, and I noticed that you're actually an expert, you didn't mention this like 700th footnote in the book that I wrote about it. And we get to tease those people. So this is the show you listen to if you
1: want to hear somebody who just heard about a topic 40 minutes ago. Right. The Addenda show, is the show you listen to for
0: actual expertise. <laughs> actual expertise uh, mocked and reviled by us. By, by lay people. <laughs> who don't even remember having done this show. Who are
1: jealous of expertise. <laughs> Listeners, from our vantage point in your distant past, we have no idea how long our civilization survived. We hope and pray that the banana catastrophe we fear may never come, but the Cavendish banana lives forever. But if the worst comes to this recording, like all our recordings, may be our final word. But if providence allows, we hope to be back with you soon for another entry in the Omnibus.